Hello, this is Pastor Ken from Alabaster House, and you're listening to the Alabaster House podcast. It's our desire to see every believer equipped with the tools for living and expressing the kingdom of God in the world around them. Be sure to join us online at alabasterhousechurch.com. You can find us at Alabaster House PA on Facebook. And be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, leave a review if you can. This helps us out in the ratings. We greatly appreciate you listening, and we trust that you will be encouraged and equipped by the Word of God today. All right. Well, I do believe that fall is here. Leaves are falling, weather's cooling off, and we have a lot of things going on in September, so not to rehash everything that Jesse said, but ladies, there is a sign-up sheet out in the foyer for that brunch, and along with that, there are also some um, labels of items that we need in the kitchen, so Everyone's welcome to come, so sign up on the sign-up sheet out there and grab one of those slips in order to gift the kitchen, and I know it's going to be a great time. We are very much looking forward to tonight. We've been praying for this service. For those of you who are visiting, we don't normally have a Sunday night service, but we wanted to set one aside to specifically focus on the Holy Spirit. And not just that, but being filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that's tonight at 6.30. I want to encourage you to come. Now, and then next Sunday night, it's not on the <clears throat> screen, I don't think. Uh, but we are going to play softball again. So third time's a charm. My team will win. I'm recruiting baseball players from Junietta Valley High School to be on my team. So... Uh, but that'll be next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. All right. Well, kids, you guys can head out. Thank you so much. All right. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms chapter 97. I have found <clears throat> in my short time of preaching that there are messages that are safe and easy and that don't cause you trouble. (laughs) And then there are the other ones. And we've been focusing on the Holy Spirit now for a few weeks, and I can tell you that uh, the last couple weeks have been very interesting with personal things that have been happening and other situations. And... You know, when you begin to face resistance in any area, the temptation is to shrink back or to stop. But I have found that when resistance comes, it usually means that you're taking over new ground and new territory that the enemy doesn't want you to give up. Uh, Not that the Holy Spirit is new ground, but we are pursuing. And I know that we're going to see a great move of God. And that's what we're expecting. So Psalms 97 and verse number one says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. 
Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. And the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Let's pray one more time. Father, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, today as we go to your word, I pray that you would give us wisdom, revelation, and understanding through the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. And Lord, today we ask you specifically for this day, this day, today that we've set apart to focus on your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that today each person that's here would not only sense his presence, but Lord, to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just as John reminded us that Jesus was coming to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So God, send your fire. Send the fire of the Holy Spirit and let it rest upon each one of us. You are our desire. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. David is writing here, and as you know, we've talked about this at great length, that there is a contrast between uh, how people viewed God through the Old Covenant and the Old Testament and how we now view God in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible says that in former days, God spoke to us through his law and prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So we see the revelation of the father through the son. Jesus said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus is perfect theology, the life of Jesus. As one preacher says, if you don't see it in the life or the language of Jesus, don't let it be in your life or in your language. And I know that some of these Old Testament psalms and verses and stories that we read, we went into great length last week talking about the fire of God and talked to you about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I showed you there how the king of Sodom had met with Abraham and Melchizedek, Melchizedek being a uh, type and a shadow of Jesus himself, and how the king of Sodom just few years prior to Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, had a great opportunity uh, for repentance, a great opportunity uh, to serve the God of Abraham, but he chose not to, and of course, then therefore, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, and we talked to you about the fire of God that Elijah called down from uh, the mountain when the prophets of Baal were all surrounding there in Israel had prostituted their hearts against God, but when God sent the fire from heaven, it turned the hearts of Israel back to him. And then just a short while after, Elijah is told by God to take his mantle and to place it on Elisha. Elisha, who was plowing the fields with his family's oxen. And when Elisha places, when Elijah places his mantle on Elisha, Elisha takes the oxen, creates an altar, and he sets a fire to those things uh, pertaining to his previous life. And the point of all that was to allow the fire of God to come and consume us. The Bible says that his fire consumes the chaff. The chaff is the things that are left over after the wheat is 
fully threshed. It's the things that don't belong, the things that don't provide any source of nutrients, any source of, uh, you know, there's no life there. And the fire of God comes and burns up the chaff, just as John the Baptist said. And these are symbolic of things in our lives that don't belong. It's a simple message in reality, but this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And our job, I believe, is to be like Elisha, who took those things from his life that were not going to lead him to the place that God had for him, the destiny and the calling that God had for this young man to be a prophet of the nation of Israel, these oxen and these previous things that Uh, were attached to his former way of life. Elisha himself took those things, laid them on the altar, and he set the fire. Sometimes God brings the fire to burn up those things in our life that don't belong, but sometimes we set the fire. And my opinion is it's better to set the fire and let the Lord burn up those things. So in Psalms 97, what we've just read, there's one verse there where it says, in verse number three, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about him. The danger with this verse is thinking that enemies are people. Now, the New Testament tells us very clearly our battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in high places, pulling down of strongholds. So our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against people. So when we read this verse, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies around him, even though some of us would like to see some people burnt, you know. (laughs) It's not referring to Democrats It's not referring to Republicans. (laughs) It's not referring to people. This word enemy means adversary. It means one that contends or opposes or resists. And in our life, let's be honest, we have areas of our life that are adverse to the will of God. We have areas of our life that are contrary to what God wants to perform in us. The idea that when you get saved, you're just all of a sudden, you know, like you have arrived. It's not even biblical. The Bible talks about sanctification, justification. These are works of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the Holy Spirit's goal is to make us more like Jesus. And Paul even said himself, I have not attained to perfection, but I'm pressing on toward the goal. So the goal is perfection. The goal is Jesus. And each one of us in our journey with God are pressing toward that goal with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the fire, allowing the fire of God to come and burn up in us, not our enemies, burn up in us everything that is opposed to the will of God for our life. Are you with me? So I want to take you to Acts chapter 2 because we're going to uh, spend some time this morning examining the life of Peter. I love Peter. (laughs) 
You know, he's the guy that sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. Gets in trouble. He's a little, he's got a, what do you say? What do you hunters say? A hair trigger? How's that go? A trigger finger or hair? I don't, what is it? Huh? Itchy? I don't know what it is. But he's just, yeah, he's always itching to pull the trigger, right? <laughs> and in Acts chapter 2, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it says there in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, as this group of believers is in this upper room and the Holy Spirit comes, the sound of the mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire, there's a crowd that is beginning to assemble outside because of the sound that they're hearing from inside of this room. And as this crowd begins to gather outside, they begin to mock and they begin to say, uh, these men are drunk with new wine And Peter and these uh, disciples must have heard the commotion outside. I mean, the Bible tells us 3,000 people were saved in that day. So there, I mean, when it says there was a crowd, like there was a crowd. And then in verse number 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of uh, Judea, And all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then, of course, just as Jesse and I don't go over my notes with Jesse or Garrett, and it's always interesting how, you know, obviously we're talking about the Holy Spirit today, but Jesse read from Joel chapter 2 which Peter is quoting here, where it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, it's interesting to me when Jesus tells these men and these women because there were women there. When Jesus tells these men and these women to tarry in the upper room, he doesn't give them any other instruction. He doesn't give them, you know, what it's going to look like. Isn't it interesting? Many times when God asks you to do something, he doesn't tell you what it's going to look like. (laughs) Doesn't tell you all the things you're going to go through before you get there. If he did, chances are we wouldn't do it. And Jesus doesn't give them any instruction. He doesn't give them any, you know, this is what it's going to look like. There's going to be a sound of a wind. There's going to be tongues of fire. You're going to speak in other languages that you've never known before. And, and what's fascinating even more to me is that even in the prophecy from the book of Joel, which Peter just quoted, it also doesn't say any of the things that these men and women just experienced. They didn't know what they were waiting for other than Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
But when that experience comes, the experience of the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when it comes, Peter recognizes this is that. It doesn't it doesn't fit into our preconceived notions. It doesn't fit into what we imagined it would be like. Come on, how many of you know all of us in this room have an imagination? And whenever we begin to imagine, you know, it's like when we were, for instance, looking for a building for Alabaster House. You know, we were praying for a, a little building down the road that we would have been lucky to fit all of you into. And I remember laying my hands on that building and asking God for it. God, give me this building. It's like, that building's mine. And I just think God was up in heaven laughing. <laughs> you don't know what you're asking for. Don't ask for something small. Ask for something big. Ask for something that's too big. <laughs> no eye has seen and no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man <laughs> what God has in store. Don't go small, go big. And so Peter and this crowd that is assembled there and have now experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to say is they have no box to put this in. There's no recipe. There, there's no description. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's now resting upon them, they recognize this is that. And this is what Joel prophesied about, that in the last days God was going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh, that men and women were going to prophesy, that young men would see visions and old men would dream dreams. And I love that because how many of you know old men are not typically known as dreamers? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm getting there slowly myself. But it's the young men that are visionaries, but God is still giving dreams through the power of the Holy Spirit to even those who are advanced in age. Because when the kingdom of God comes upon you, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. God can use you at any stage of life. So the Holy Spirit continues to give dreams to even people who would seemingly be disqualified. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they all, all of them, men and women, will prophesy. And Peter is describing to them what has taken place, and of course, this crowd is intrigued because the Bible tells us that they all heard. Uh, in their own language, the glories of God. And in verse number 38, Peter says to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it was not just for the disciples and it was not just for the apostles. And Peter even goes on to say for the promise what promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit that we ourselves just received, the this is that promise, is to you and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. There was never, there was never any mention of the Holy Spirit and all of the things that he did, even the Acts of the Apostles, which is, you know, the book of Acts is... Well, it depends on who you talk to. 
It's either referred to as the acts of the apostles or the acts of the Holy Spirit. In reality, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit was doing through men and women throughout this book. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the talking in tongues, the prophecy, all of what we see in the book of Acts. And do you know that this is the only book in the New Testament that does not have an ending? Read the end of the book. Nothing there that says the end. It's not there. It's just a sudden. And it's probably because these men lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. But nonetheless, there's no ending. And there is never meant to be an ending to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Never meant to be an ending to the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just as John said, there's one who's coming, whose sandals I'm even unworthy to untie. And he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So who's the one who does the baptizing anyway? It's Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus falling fresh upon men and women, as we've just seen here in the book of Acts, but as it still happens to this very day. Now, the interesting part of this story to me, the most fascinating perhaps, is that it's Peter who stands up to describe the working of the Holy Spirit. And you have to think about this because it was only a short time earlier where Jesus had been arrested in the garden and they were uh, carrying him off into the temple and the disciples all scatter and Peter somehow finds his way outside the walls of the temple there. And a little slave girl and a few people gather around and they point their finger at Peter and they say, wait a second, aren't you a Galilean? Weren't you with Jesus? And we know the story and there Peter denies Jesus three times. I don't know him. I do not know the man. And the last time he curses and says, I tell you, I do not know him. This is the same man who just stands up before a crowd of over 3,000 people and declares to them, this is that. Because it is in the very nature of the Holy Spirit to change our nature. This is what He does. He changes us from the inside out. For some of us, it's a long process. (laughs) For all of us, it's a lifelong process. To be honest with you, if you're like me, you're just a little hard headed and the Lord has to work a little harder. (laughs) You know, some of us learn easily and quickly. Some of us take the hard road. I am the hard road. But he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars and the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. But I promise you, he is still Working on me. (laughs) And aren't you glad that the Lord is patient? Long-suffering. So here is Peter, who was the denier of Jesus, but now stands before a crowd of 3,000 people and publicly proclaims to them the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we see a transition 
in Peter's life because, as most of you know, Peter is not his real name. When Jesus comes, he wants to change you so dynamically that people won't even recognize you by your name. I'm sorry if you knew me before I was saved. I was a different kin back then. In reality, I was kinny. <laughs> Weren't we all? Yes, we were. <clears throat> but I am not that person anymore. I'm not where I, I'm not at the goal. I haven't crossed the finish line. But I'm certainly not where I started. And neither is Peter. And now Peter in Matthew chapter 16 has been with Jesus for some time. And Jesus comes to his disciples and he asks them and says in verse 15, who do you say that I am? And notice it refers to him as Simon Peter. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, we talk about this verse a lot, so just be patient with me for a minute. But Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Uh, and I say to you that you are you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom. We know the rest of the verse because we talk about it often. But in this section of scripture, Jesus is stamping Simon with a new identity. He's saying Simon, this uh, Barjona means son of Simon, son of Jonah. What's he doing? He's taking his old identity and now telling him who he's going to be through the revelation that the father has given to him that Christ is who he says he is. Taking the old man, and bringing him into the new. Now, I'm sure, you know, Peter and the disciples, if you've studied their lives, all, they ever, all these guys ever do is talk about who's the greatest, right? I mean, just read the book of John. John, the disciple Jesus loved. Really, John? Like you were the only one? Come on, buddy. That's all they do. Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. I saw more demons cast out. Well, I saw more crippled people healed. Well, I saw more blind... People heal. I mean, this is what these guys do all the time. And I love the fact that Jesus never rebukes them for wanting to be great. He actually gives them the pathway there. If you want to be great, then become the least of all, the servant of all. If you want to be great, then become like a child. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He tells them how to be great in the kingdom of God. And here's Peter. And if you were Peter, if I was Peter in this moment... You know, he's got all the attention. It's like when you have more than one kid. And they start trying to tell you that you have your favorites. <laughs> oh, that one's your favorite. You do more stuff for them. It's like, oh, my goodness gracious. And I can just sense Peter feeling that way. I am the favorite. Here I am. Here I am. Simon, son of Barjona. You are Peter. Petros. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Looks back at the other guys. See what he just did for me? But it's only just a few. It's just a short time later. I love this story because it really shows us the nature of Peter. 
in the next verse in 21, it says that Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he uh, is going to be taken by the chiefs, priests, and the scribes. He's going to be killed, but he's going to be raised on the third day. In verse 22, it says, then Peter took him aside. You know, it's like Jesus just promoted him. And notice, it doesn't say Simon Peter. It says Peter. Up to this point in the book of Matthew, he's always referred to as Simon Peter until that verse. Because Jesus is trying to change his identity. And in this verse, it says Peter took him aside. He must have thought that he had some kind of, you know, authority because Jesus of what Jesus said to him, that he had the right or the ability to now rebuke Jesus. And that's what he does. It says he began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus looks at him. Come on, just this is only a few verses later. I feel like Peter sometimes. He doesn't call him Peter. What's he call him? Satan. I mean, talk about going from the pinnacle all the way down to the lowest part of the valley. Promotion to demotion. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not, look at this, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And what does the word Satan mean? It means adversary. Come on, remember Psalms 97? A fire goes before him and he burns up all his enemies. He burns up all his adversaries. There is something inside of the heart of Peter that is adverse to the will of God for Jesus. Come on, you have to be very careful who you share your God-given dreams with. Because I've come in contact with a few people who will say, far be it from you. (laughs) Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. There's something in the heart and in the mind of Peter that has not yet been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that when he speaks, he's actually acting as a messenger of the adversary into Jesus's life. The Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. And now Peter is speaking against the very identity and the purpose of Jesus because he's not mindful of the things of God. Let me show you one other thing about Peter in the book of John, chapter one. This is the very beginning of the story. When Peter is first introduced to Jesus in verse number 41. We'll just back up to 40. It says, and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon. Notice it only refers to him as Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ and brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he's looking at Simon. He says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So even at the very beginning of Jesus's interaction with Simon, he's already beginning to speak into his identity and into his purpose. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to stone. We see we see 
the transformation begin to take place in Matthew chapter 16 at a greater level when Jesus says, you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock I will build my church. The rock of revelation that Peter received of Jesus. Are you guys with me? Now let me just take it a step further. If you study out the book of John from this point, this point right here, where Jesus says, you shall be called Cephas. From in the book of John, throughout the entire book, up until chapter 21, Simon is always referred to as Simon Peter. Until chapter 21 and verse 15. After Peter, Simon Peter, had denied Jesus three times, after Jesus is crucified, buried for three days, and is resurrected, Peter has a meeting with Jesus in verse 15. And it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. That's John's reference. But look at what Jesus says. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And my point is, throughout the book of John and even the book of Matthew and all the Gospels, Peter is always referred to as Simon Peter, except for the parts where Jesus is pointing out his previous identity. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him on the third time, do you love me? Peter. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you were girded. You girded yourself. You walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you to a place where you do not wish. Verse 19, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, look at what it says. Then Peter. And from that verse, throughout the entire book of Acts, he's no longer referred to as Simon Peter. He's only referred to as Peter. What I'm trying to show you is that the power of Christ in us transforms us into something that we never were before. Something that we never were before. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit in us is to continue to transform us. I would love to tell you that after Peter, who goes through another transformation process in Acts chapter 2 and is bold enough to stand up before the 3,000 people and proclaim the gospel, I would love to tell you that he reached his goal. But it's just not the case. And Peter and the disciples begin to preach the gospel. They preach first in Jerusalem to the Jews and the Jews uh, 
don't want anything to do with it, and they're persecuted, and so the Holy Spirit leads them out of Jerusalem, and they go into all different regions of the world. The Bible says in many uh, different verses, the, the people of the cities would see the disciples coming, and they would say, the men who've turned the world upside down have now come to us. I love that. Let's turn the world upside down. Amen? In reality, let's turn it right back up. But Peter still has some things in his heart, in his mind that he's dealing with that are adverse to the will of God. And in Acts chapter 10, there's a certain man named Cornelius, and you probably know the story. So for time's sake, let me just paraphrase a little bit. But there's a man who's devout and he prays and he gives alms to the Lord and an angel appears to him and says, your alms and your prayers have come up before uh, the Lord as a sweet smelling aroma. Therefore, send for Simon, a tanner. Verse number five, Acts chapter 10. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. It's the only time in the book of Acts where he's referred to as Simon. I don't know that the angel knew that Simon Peter was having a little bit of difficulty in his life, but once again, Peter is referred to as his former self. Now here's the problem. The Lord wants Peter to come to Cornelius' house so that Cornelius and his entire household can be saved, but they're Gentiles. God has no problem whatsoever poking at your belief system. Come on, Acts chapter 2. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what it was going to look like. And here comes the Holy Spirit. Here comes the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Here comes tongues of fire. It's not even in the Bible. And they could have easily said, well, I'm not sure if that was it or not, because we don't really believe in tongues. We don't really believe in mighty rushing winds, and we don't like to look like we're drunk. So we're just going to ignore whatever that was and just keep praying. (laughs) And even though Peter had experienced the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, he's still dealing with some feelings. He's still dealing with some issues. He's still dealing with some thoughts. And now Jesus is going to poke at that belief system. There's a Gentile over here. His entire household needs to be saved. Who am I going to send? That's right. I'm going to send the one guy who doesn't want to go. I'm going to send Peter. And even the angel, when he comes to Cornelius, refers to him as Simon. Now, you probably know the story, but on the very next day, These men go to find Simon Peter, go to find Peter. And the Bible says that Peter went up on the housetop to pray because God has to change his mind. The Holy Spirit is going to have to work out some things before he can get Peter to do the will of God. That's what this story is all about. And there's a sheet, uh, Peter goes into a trance and he sees a vision and heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him 
on all sides, lit down to the earth, and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And if you know the Old Testament, you know the law, you know that Peter was not allowed to touch or eat any of the things that God was showing him. Don't do it. You can't do it, as a matter of fact. And a voice speaks to him a second time, and it says this, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. Isn't it amazing? Peter has this thing with threes. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Feed my lambs. Jesus, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. It's like the Lord just keeps knocking until finally he breaks through. And can I tell you that sometimes he's knocking on the door of our minds, trying to break through, trying to break off some preconceived notions, trying to break off some theology. Do you know that Jesus himself said, I present my doctrine to my father? You know, the danger in church culture is that we sit and we listen to good preaching we identify with it, we receive it into our heart, we receive it into our mind, we get, begin a life in a pattern of believing those things that we've been taught, but we never study it out for ourselves. It's true. What happened to the Bereans who would hear something said and they would go to Scripture to determine whether it was real or not? Don't believe everything I say. I give you permission. Find out for yourself. And many of us, even in this, own, in, this, in this room today, we've heard things about Holy Spirit. We've heard things that he does. We've also heard things that he doesn't do. We've heard things that he doesn't do anymore. We've heard things that maybe died out with the apostles died out with the canonization of Scripture. We've heard all of these things. The question is, is God trying to change something in your mind concerning Him? I've grown up in church my whole life, and I can tell you, there's a lot of things that I had to unlearn and allow the Holy Spirit to teach me something new. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing here with Peter again. Arise and eat, arise and eat, arise and eat. And now Peter has finally worked this out in his own uh, conscious, in his own mind. He begins to think differently about the Gentiles and he goes to Cornelius's house. And I love this. I'm just going to paraphrase. But while he was speaking, while he was speaking, it doesn't even say that he laid his hands on him. It doesn't even say that he prayed. It says, while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius' household, and these men and these women begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. And my point is, is that the Holy Spirit had to work something out before the Holy Spirit could move. The Holy Spirit had to change somebody's mind before the Holy Spirit could flow. Because one of the greatest hindrances, the greatest hindrances, the, the greatest hindrance to the moving of the Holy Spirit is what you think. It's what you think. 
The Holy Spirit is described as water in many scriptures. And do you know that water always takes the path of least resistance? I've told you the story of my RV. I will spare you the details because many of you remember it. (laughs) But I can tell you that the water that was dripping on my head that night was taking the path of least resistance. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. And certainly don't resist him just because of something that you may have heard 15 years ago that is contrary to the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this morning, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. and We believe in every single one of them. You want to know why? Because this book tells me so. Not some preacher, not even a good grandma, a good grandfather, not even a parent. I'm going to go with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Eagerly desire to prophesy. Eagerly desire the the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire to speak in other tongues. It's all in there. It's all in there. And the only thing that ever removes it is a belief system. And the Holy Spirit will knock on the door of your mind in order to get in to remove some things. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, and uh, wickedness in high places. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but listen, they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And do you know what strongholds are in Scripture? They are a belief system that you have fortified. You have fortified a belief system. And it cannot be penetrated. It's like Jesus in the book of Revelation where it says he's standing at the door knocking. He's not knocking on the door of your heart in that scripture. He's knocking on the door of a church. And the problem is this church was still doing church without Jesus. And I can tell you that's a safe place. That's where it's safe, doing church without Jesus. Just tickling people's ears and trying to make them feel good. Just helping them balance their checkbook and their finances. But when you begin to preach about the fire of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to cause you trouble. It's not comfortable because you are in the midst of pulling down strongholds, fortifications, and it's not easy. And it often causes you problems. This is Peter and John on the way to the temple at the, at the hour of prayer. See the lame man walking or the lame man sitting there begging for alms. Gold and silver have I none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And you would have thought that that would have been a glorious day and the whole city would have came out and worshipped the Lord. But what happened? They take Peter and John and they throw them into prison. Why? We don't believe that. Paul's being chased by a woman with the spirit of divination in one city. She's crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God. Listen to them. Most Christians would have thought that was an accolade. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. But Paul recognized that was a demon. Why didn't he cast it out the first time? Maybe he knew because when he did, it was going to cause him problems. We avoid a lot of things. Because of the issues it's going to create. But at what cost? At what cost? 
at the cost of truth, that's at what cost. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues. I myself speak in tongues, and you are surrounded by a whole lot of people that do too. Because it's real. And what does tongues do for us? Jude says to build up your in your to build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. It is something that edifies, it's something that builds us up. But even more than that, it is the Holy Spirit taking the mind and the thoughts of God and placing it into our mind and into our thoughts. Real quick, Corey, help me here. Turn to Ephesians 4:17. Ephesians 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Look, in the futility of their mind, the way they think, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance, which means not understanding, not knowing because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Next verse, who being who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness clean, sorry, with greediness. I'm starting to speak in tongues right now. <laughs> Keep going. But you have not so learned Christ. 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you look put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 24. And that you put off and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of of your minds. One last scripture. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. I'm going to turn there so I can read it quicker. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. Everybody say minds. On the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit. Capital S. The Holy Spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind, look, is enmity, is an enemy against God. It is an adversary against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, anyone does if now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, look at this, also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, 
but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? I have good news for you. The Holy Spirit Himself will implant it into your heart and into your mind. The renewed mind, which gives us the ability to know what the perfect and good will of God is for our life. Peter was in a process. He was in a process of being changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm telling you about this morning. And you and I, all of us in this room, are in that same process of being transformed. And I can tell you the greatest thing that you can do is open up your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit. And listen, whatever happens, happens. (laughs) But be open. Be open. (laughs) The book of Acts, I love when it says, and the Holy Spirit worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. Didn't even, couldn't even describe what was happening there. It was just unusual. The Holy Spirit does not make sense. He does not operate according to the carnal mind. He does not operate according to the thoughts of men or the minds of men. He also does not operate according to religion. He operates according to the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we don't understand it. Most of the time it's supernatural. Most of the time it's beyond our understanding. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to come and renew our mind and and change us and train us how to think according to the will of God. Will you stand? A fire goes before him and consumes all of his enemies. Enemies are not people. Enemies are things that are contrary to the will of God for your life. Things that are in your heart and in your mind, even right now in this moment. Listen, it's not always wickedness. It's not always sin. Sometimes it's just a belief system. Sometimes it's just things that we've taken into our heart and our mind and we've fortified it. We've created a stronghold around it. But it itself stands as enmity against God. And today is just a day of surrender. It's a day of surrender. It's a day of saying, God, not only my life and not only my heart, but today my mind. Today, the way that I think. Today, my thoughts. Today, my belief system. Today, my doctrine. Today, my theology. Hallelujah. Come on, I just feel the Holy Spirit. I just feel the Holy Spirit on this. Can we just do this right now in this moment? Can we just extend our hands to the Lord? However you want to do that. However you're comfortable with that. But just as a sign of surrender. 
just a sign saying, Lord, here I am. Here's my heart. Here's my mind. Search me, Lord. Search my heart. Search my thoughts. God, today I surrender the strongholds. Lord, I want all that you have for me with no restriction, no hindrance, no limitation. So today, Father, I ask you to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to come and burn up the chaff in my mind and in my heart. Come on, church, just pray that with me. Burn up the chaff in my heart. Burn up the chaff in my mind. Burn up anything that is in opposition to you, Lord. Burn up anything that is an adversary to your will, to your heart, to your plan for my life. Don't let me miss out on anything that you have for me. Not a thing, Lord. Not a thing. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we say come. Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Baptize us. Fill us, Lord. Overflowing in the name of Jesus. Overflowing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Man, I, I just want to say this. I just feel this so strongly today. There are some of you in this room, it applies to all of us, but specifically there's some of you in this room that the Lord has just been transforming the way that you think. And God is patient and He is long-suffering. But I just feel like there's a line being drawn in the sand and the Lord is beckoning you. He's calling out to you. He's saying, come. Leave religion. Leave misconception. Leave ideas. Leave thoughts. And just come. Follow after me. Come after me. And I really feel this morning that for those of you who will answer that call, that will put the past behind, what awaits for you on the other side of that line is a transformational process where you will look back over the years to come and you will say, I don't even recognize myself. Come on, I just say that by the Spirit of God today. 
you will not even recognize yourself in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I know it's running late. Whatever late is. <laughs> but can we just give our hearts to the Lord today? Can we just give our minds to the Lord today? I want to invite you. Let's just take a moment. Let's just come to the front. And let's just ask the Lord to transform our hearts and our minds. Let's ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Come on, would you come? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bless you today. We bless you today. Father, we give you praise. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing right now. Lord, over every man and over every woman right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we say come. We say come. Come fall afresh on us. Come with your fire. Come with your wind. Come with your rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We say come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill this place. Come and fill us, Lord. Transform, transform the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Be upon you. Be upon you in Jesus' name. Let your wind come, your rain, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy, holy. Come on, just worship the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Holy, holy. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy. Worthy, worthy. Holy, holy, holy. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Randy, will you just start praying on this side? Garrett, will you start praying for people here? Andy, will you just move through here and pray for all of these people behind you? Thank you, Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, right now, in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. We bless you, Lord. Lord, we remove every obstacle. Every obstacle be broken in Jesus' name. Be broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tear down every wall. Every wall. Every obstacle. Freedom, freedom, freedom. 
in the name of Jesus. Freedom over the mind right now in Jesus' name. Freedom over the mind right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We bless you. We bless you more, Lord. More for Kimmy. More in Jesus' name. Holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More for Danny in the name of Jesus. More of you, Holy Spirit. Come. Wisdom, revelation, understanding. All of it. All of it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. More. More, Lord. Touch, strengthen, heal. Deliver. In the name of Jesus, more of you, Holy Spirit, more of you, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you there. I appreciate you guys staying. Appreciate you pressing in. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I just want you to begin to pray. Whether who, Whoever you're with, just begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them, that the Holy Spirit would baptize them. Fresh and anew, fresh and anew, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, fill them to overflowing. A fresh move of God. God, we ask you for a fresh touch today, a fresh move, a fresh baptism. 
a fresh fire. Lord, not what we had yesterday or years before, but God, do it again. Do it again. Brand new. Brand new. Over and over again, Lord. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. The presence of God. The presence of Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to come back tonight at 630 just going to be a continuation. We're just going to start off where we left off. <laughs> but I want you to spend some time in prayer before tonight. I want to encourage you to pray for yourself. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would have his way in you. I want you to pray for the service tonight. That God would fill each person that comes. And we're just looking forward to a beautiful time with the Lord tonight and seeing what he does in your life. We're going to pray for the teenagers, the children. We're going to pray for everybody. It's going to be beautiful. Amen. Uh, I don't want to leave. Honestly, feel free to stay as long as you want. But as you go, just love on somebody around you there. And just bless them in Jesus' name.